We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends, family, people who are exhausted after dealing with an emotional upheaval of a game in which the Dallas Mavericks defeated the Los Angeles Clippers 135 to 133 in overtime on a Luka Doncic last second buzzer beating step back. Oh my God, Josh, how are you? (laughs) I am good. I am. I'm actually like legitimately tired. Like I am my brain is tired my <laughs> voice hurts like it is probably the saddest thing ever that i'm very far away from my high school athlete days to consider that like i am short of breath from watching that game holy that, crap man i i don't remember a game that emotionally taxing that ended in me happy <laughs> <laughs> probably 20 probably happened in 2011 yeah i mean maybe the vince carter game yeah and but this was i'll tell you so you know it's mid-afternoon game our man sam offered to take the recap off my hands which i was just delighted to do because i've just been kind of operating on a sleep deficit um which is fine you know i'm we're having fun with playoff stuff like it's it's kind of you know this is what we were this is what we signed up for years and years ago we were hoping for to to be able to cover games like this it's a lot of fun and my son comes down at three o'clock and he, and I live on the East coast. So about 45 minutes before the game starts and I had told him the wrong time. So he was like super ticked that the game wasn't started. So he had a little bit of a meltdown because he's four. And then my wife took him out. They were in some errands. They came back and he watched the game with us. And like, he, he was like, he, he only wanted Luca to shoot, which was great. So then he wasn't watching a lot of the time and then my wife and I would clap and he'd be like what did I miss and he's not he doesn't also doesn't understand the concept of live tv because he'd be like rewind it I want to watch and I'm like no dude 
this isn't Netflix. <laughs> the, right. So, so, and, and, and so the game goes on, we get into overtime and, you know, he's, he's eating his dinner on the floor and we're like watching. And then the last, like the last, uh, the, the, the shot that, that again, we'll have to circle back on this, but when Maxi Kleva gave up that three pointer, like I got up and like started walking around the room. Um, I was just, <laughs> because again, and, and, you know, well, uh, Maxi like, stop, stop Maxi. Oh my gosh. Um, even though he redeemed himself the very next play. And so, you know, uh, the Mavs do the crazy thing where they throw the ball away in the backcourt, the ball, like it goes from eight seconds down to like three and they foul him again or they foul Luca. So they have three seconds left. And I got up and walked to the far side of the room and I was just like ready to do something else. Like I was ready to turn off the television because I'm just like, we've watched this too many times. And then when the shot went down, both Mary and I started screaming. Parker was sitting on Mary's lap and we're like cheering and clapping. And like, he doesn't understand what's going on. Like he saw the shot go down, but I don't think he understood what it meant, obviously. And then he starts like sobbing uncontrollably because he thought he was in trouble, which was. Because <laughs> his parents just <laughs> random to, in his mind, his parents just randomly started jumping up and screaming and yelling yeah. all at once. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, I then spent like the next five minutes after that, like I didn't watch any of the post game stuff. Like we just like calmed him down. And then he's like, well, I want to go play basketball. I was like, okay. So we just went outside almost immediately. So I missed all the post-game stuff, and I had a good time catching up on that. What uh, What did you do? Um, so I was watching it in my uh, office with uh, Megan, uh, my wife. And the lead-up to the shot was pretty funny for me because I'm watching, and like it's basically like I'm leaning up. Uh, well, first off, I mean – the the slack messages we were sending before Marcus <laughs> Morris hit that three pointer, I think me and you were like zero percent confidence that the Mavericks get a stop, and of course they help on the corner when they're up two, and it's just like ah. Um, but the the play by play of the Luca shot was like me like leaning over and kind of leaning up in my chair, looking up, uh, and then seeing Reggie Jackson get switched on Luca, and my body starts to like clench because I'm like they got. This is what they needed to do. And then he starts to, you can tell, you can tell like five seconds before Luca shoots a step back that he's going to shoot a step back uh, just by his, the way he's dribbling the ball and his mannerisms a little bit. Um, and so I could see he was going into the step back windup. And I think he had airballed his last two after making oh, yeah. two earlier in the quarter. Mm-hmm. And we all know, you know, we've written about a thousand times. It's not a good shot for him. Yada, yada, yada. We don't have to, relitigate all that but basically like as he started his wind up my brain just immediately went like no like (laughs) my brain is screaming it is on fire thinking Mm -hmm. that he's gonna you know shoot a 30 footer against reggie jackson and a clang and the mavericks lose and then it goes in and it's (laughs) like my brain snapped like a twig basically and i just get up and i double fist pump and i just let out the biggest rick flair woo of like my entire life, like just a primal guttural woo. Uh, and Megan's doing the exact same thing from her, from her seat. And uh, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> Felt like my, this, my soul left my body when that shot went down. It was just, it was a really, I'm not a religious man, but it was a religious experience. I'm, I am now worshiping at the altar of Luka Doncic. Uh, he is, he is my God now. And that's who I will pray and follow uh, for my remaining <laughs> years. 
I mean, I just, you know, let's just start from the beginning. So <laughs> you and I came into the game a little bit late. Um, yeah. And Porzingis was scrapped last minute. Man. We're going to talk about the Porzingis thing Man. another day. Yeah. But I'm just going to put out into the universe. I hope Rick Carlisle gets fined for that because they're screwing around with the injury report and it's pissing me off. Um, <laughs> there's no, there's no strategic advantage to hiding injuries. There's just not, it, it, it hurts a lot of things and Carlisle is rough about it. And I don't want to super get into it now, but there's no need for it. And it made me mad. So we came into this game, the game kind of gets out of hand early. Uh, yeah, I don't just the nut punch point. of, of that was just huge. And you could well, tell the team felt it. Yeah, they were they were they were deflated, yeah. and you know we had a at one point we had a Justin Jackson JJ Barea sighting, and I just remember sitting here thinking, ah, and I think my wife got back from the errands at around that point, and just to be a an idiot, I tweeted something along the lines of, you know what, we're gonna win, and <laughs> I, and then I didn't say anything, and then they just started chipping away. And yeah. I, we know Jordan, I think, who is it? No, Ryan is doing a, a recap of the third quarter because the Mavericks actually made the game respectable from unrespectable by the end of the, by halftime. It yeah. was an eight yeah. point lead and that was enormous. Mm-hmm. And then what Luca did at the third quarter is the sort of thing that you can look at as like a, 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 a era defining 12 minutes of basketball to where I think we will look back at that and say, this is when the Mavericks started getting taken seriously. They weren't a cute story. They were a team to be reckoned with because he was as close to unstoppable as anything I've seen in his time with Dallas. Yeah, it was, uh, God, I can't remember the specific game. You might remember because you were more tuned into the MJ doc, but it was that, it felt like the MJ in Boston uh, in his early part. I think that was his first playoff run when he scored yes. like 63. Mm-hmm. I was getting those vibes from that like third quarter. And especially because, you know, we didn't know what the outcome of the game was and, and they could have lost. So I was in my head, I was like, win or lose. This is the, like, this is the moment, you know, mm-hmm. the, he's on one leg basically. And it's, I mean, it was a legit ankle sprain. It wasn't huge, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a serious one, but you could tell it was bothering him to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And he was doing, you know, he was just mopping up the floor with one of the best defensive teams in the league that have two players, you know, designed to stop him. Uh, And it was, it was crazy. Uh, It was, (laughs) I want to thank my first off. I want to, if I'm doing a a speech here, I want to thank Doc Rivers for not calling a timeout during that third quarter. That that was so we could just watch Luca rip that team apart for like it felt like seven straight minutes. Um, that man thinks his team is something they are they could be, but they are not yet. And to yeah. assume that they're just going to be able to play through that is one of the stranger coaching decisions. I mean, I think it was Andy. Yeah, Andy Tobo wrote this Rick Carlisle based piece for us on Friday, and he essentially he wrote a line which is the gist of it has stuck with me is. You do not want to give Rick Carlisle time as a coach to plan against you. And that game, there was, you know, there's Luca and then there's Rick. There's a lot going on. And that was special. That was yeah. special. I just, whoo. 
I mean, he forced them, you know, the Clippers, as much as they don't want, you know, as versatile as they are, you know, they still like to play a semi-traditional lineup with a mm-hmm. center on the floor. Um, I think they like Zubac, uh, Zubats a lot. Uh, and he he's good for the Mavericks at times. He really yeah, does. So, so it's not like, it's not like they're misguided by wanting him on the floor. But Luca was, it was like, Luca was like, all right, in the same way that like in Kawhi in game one, I think he was like, felt almost like disrespected or was like, really, you're going to put a big on me. I think Luke in that third quarter was like, really, you're going to leave this guy. You're going to leave this center on the floor. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to play him out of your rotation. And that's basically what he did because it wasn't until the fourth quarter when they went with Morris at the five, that that was the only thing that slowed the team down. Cause they were able to, you know, switch a little bit more and they were able to uh, avoid some of the really terrible matchups. Cause Luca was just like, Man, they were they were backpedaling in that pick and roll, and the way he was just picking out whatever he wanted to do was just it was it was incredible. And there were a couple of moments there where I think after, during a, a free throw uh, on the Clippers end, you could see Kawhi like you know kind of pat his chest and be like, "Hey, I got Luca." And the very next possession, Luca is by him in a pick and roll, passing to I think uh, I don't know who it was in the corner, but maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. for a corner three for one of his crazy corner passes uh it was it was wild and when coming off like luca's ability to like instantly evaporate a bad game is like nuts i don't think i think every like bad game he's had he has i want to know what his averages are after he has a bad game because holy crap it feels like every time he has a bad game for him the next game he is just lighting a team on fire it is wild how he's able to process what went wrong and recalibrate and adjust and put it behind him and explode. So I don't know how we would ever do this. You know, we all have day jobs over Mavs Moneyball. Our friends at Dallas basketball have day jobs, our friends at Mavs fans for life. And uh, what's, what's our, what's our, our, our good Mavs, Mavs fanatics. Everybody has day jobs. Like we all do this for fun. Um, smoking Cuban, everybody the way that Luca is guarded by Kawhi feels tangibly different than how LeBron is guarded by Kawhi. LeBron is a little taller, I think, than Luca. Not too much, but he plays a little more upright. It's it's a power game, but it's also a lot of grace and athleticism. Luca gets under Kawhi on, yeah. on some of these drives, which he's, you know, he's taller than Kawhi by I think maybe an inch. But he's broad and he gets low. He does that old man kind of like he crouches a little at his shoulders. And when <laughs> Luca drives, it, it it unnerves Kawhi. Now Kawhi guarded him unbelievably in the fourth quarter and in parts of overtime. But in a in in the way that that they're guarding, where they're running him over all these screens, at some point, you know, Kawhi is just like, God, I can't do this. And I think that, that the only real chance real chance sounds stupid for a team that's 2-2 but the way that the that the Clippers stop him is they have to sacrifice Kawhi's offense and make him guard Luka the whole time and I don't think they can do that yeah because yeah uh because it's it was him and Lou were basically the only guys that did did stuff for them on offense uh in terms of creating any sort of offense um and that's what's like the whole crux of their team is just like Kawhi should be allowed to do that because you have Paul George who should be able to handle some of the load. But uh, that is 
very apparently not going to happen, I don't think, in this series. Um, so, yeah, and <clears throat> the thing that's crazy with Luca too, is, like you said, he gets under guys, mm-hmm. and he kind of does that, you know, he gets his shoulder low, and it's just hilarious when he puts his shoulder into someone's chest and how far the defender is like under the basket by the time he's done. Uh, there was a play. I mean, there was a play. I think it was either in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. Uh, maybe it was overtime. God, I can't remember. I mean, time doesn't exist right now, but uh, when Luca was going to the basket and, and Harold was meeting him and I swear, like Harold was at the, the, at the basket uh, sanction or whatever, you know, but he was, he like, pile drived him into the into the the barricade almost like i'm sure that was part of harold like flopping a little bit but like it's just wild how easily he's able to dislodge people and you look when he's in a drive and it's like oh he doesn't have space and then like snap of your fingers oh yeah he does because he uses the leverage and he uses his strength to just move guys out of their spots uh it's it's incredible and I'm just I'm looking at the base stats line for the whole team. One stat jumps out in a positive way that's baffling, and that it was the rebounding. The Mavericks out rebounded yes. Clippers fifty four to forty one, but everything else across their stat line is not standout. They missed six free throws. They shot thirty six percent from three. They shot fifty percent from the field. Uh, the Clippers were ninety percent from the line and shot eight more free throws. They turned the ball over a few times less. Uh, they shot about the same, you know, one or two baskets here or there. But, I mean, that's really the way this game went. And I, I'm i just – I'm still baffled that they that they are even in it. I mean, I, I was, you yeah. know, doing some, some you know, a lot, of, a lot of telling my son to quit climbing on the couch and stuff during the games. And I was not looking at the game because I was so frustrated – with how that first part went. And then all of a sudden it's just a ball game. And I just, I'm kind of in awe because I think we, you know, I, (laughs) Josh made fun of me for this Uh, midway in the second quarter, I actually sent a notice to the whole staff to start preparing for postseason coverage, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which uh, guys, we've got two, uh, at least two more games to play here. Um, I got a little ahead of myself on that one. Um... So I, I, I just I don't know, man. I'm excited. Yeah. And the and the lineup he got the game they got back into the game with was kind of a joke. Uh like it, to close the half to make it a respectable game to give them any chance in the second half. It was him, Trey Burke, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Seth Curry, and Boban. Like that's <laughs> that's two guys who weren't on the team in January. That's your third string big man. Like come on and like Kawhi and i think paul george were on the floor like it's insane uh the way he's just able like that's the thing about superstars like in terms of like do you have a number one guy and it's well does is he the the tide to lift all boats like is he the guy that can turn bad players and average players average players into good players good players into great players and that's that's luca like imagine that lineup like with Kawhi, yeah. like that team does that lineup doesn't do jack shit. Uh, sorry to get a little get a little expletive there, but like that's just kind of the what that just kind of goes to show what kind of player Luca is. And 
the options that he allows you in terms I'm now I'm getting way down the line, but like in terms of like when you're planning your roster, when you're building your roster, the luxury of having a guy that can turn, you know, what you have into more than the sum of its parts is just, it's immense. It's huge. It's, it's why LeBron has been to so many finals in a row and, and why, you know, it's why LeBron is as great as he is. It's why Jordan was as good as he is. It's why bird was as good as he is. Like, uh, it is it is insanity. Uh, it is absolute insanity how good this kid is. Yeah. And so the thing that, that stands out from his stat line is the fact that he only shot five free throws. That was some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. That was some bullshit. That was kind of personified by that Lou Williams steal. My favorite was not that one, but it was the – he stripped Paul George – Went the went the length of the floor with Paul George on his hip, drove Paul fouled him three times and nothing. <laughs> and it's just yeah. I mean, granted, I kinda like the fact that there are fewer fouls tonight. I mean, I'm looking at the the score. There's only forty seven fouls, which is a marked difference from the past two, where at one point they had set one of the games had seventy or seventy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's so, been like the halftime average. Right. So it's like part of me is happy for that, but it's also like, all right, so you know, like the, the Mavericks and Clippers are doing the same amount of driving and we're getting some different results here. So yeah, I mean I, I, I do want to talk about the last three minutes of regulation. Um <laughs> this is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito The Mavericks yeah. scored two points from, 240, uh, from 244 left in the quarter to nothing. They ran at least two plays, or two plays. There was at least two possessions where nobody moved. And then one possession where Seth Curry fell over, where at least everybody was moving around. I just, I, I'm still baffled at their crunch time offense. I just, I don't understand what's happening here. There was that. The, do you like what? No, it's happening still. It it was kind of funny. I think I tweeted this, but it was like they were running the clutch, the crunch time Dirk offense, and it's <laughs> like they forgot that Luca is six seven and not seven foot and can shoot. You know, like, like that's the kind of stuff that you would do with Dirk crunch time set one screen get him against him, a mismatch let him uh, isolate from the top of the key and it's Dirk so like any place he's standing on the floor he's gonna get a good shot but with Luca it's you know you can get your mismatch but there's still work to do because he's not a great three-point shooter yet and he has to drive and he has to do a lot more so I would have loved some more diversity there um, Seth Curry curiously only had one three-point attempt. Uh, I would probably need to go back and look and see if the Clippers were just like, 
refusing to leave him. Uh, and also, I think, you know, two or three of his buckets were, you know, pump fake against a wild closeout and stepping into a, a comfortable two-pointer. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. But I would have loved some some variation there instead of let's screen Kawhi off of Luka and then go. Uh, it, it made it very difficult. And when you have Maxi Kleba on the floor who can't uh, buy a basket to save his life and the Clippers were playing uh, small ball Morris at the center, it really took away a lot of the things the Mavericks wanted to do because in that third quarter, Luke is rolling because he's got Zubak uh, or whoever center is there. He's got them on their heels in the pick and roll. And when you've got Morris at center, they were just switching right away. So there was no drop. There was no drop coverage for him to exploit. Uh, so if he couldn't beat his man off the dribble, and by the fourth quarter he was like a little gassed in terms of trying to get to the rim, if he couldn't beat his man off the dribble one-on-one, there's just nothing because, you know, Maxi setting screens for Luca is just more switching out on him and then Kawhi's on Maxi, And it's like, that's, that's a non-starter. So uh, I... I credit the Clippers for changing it, but the Mavericks really kind of fed into what the Clippers wanted them to do. Like they yeah. fell into it really easily. Let's, let's actually talk about Maxi real quick. Okay. What? Okay. So <laughs> the dude is one for 16 for three in this series. This is a guy who shot 37% on the year before the bubble. He was shooting a full one, a full percent higher. That's how poorly he shot in the bubble. Yeah, credit where credit is due, man, because that dude just kept playing. He yeah. he had a huge block in the fourth, and we have a post that'll come out most of the time. By by the time people hear this, I hope we have uh, Jordan is doing a post on the final play, kind of breaking it down. Uh, uh, one of the final play because it's the there's a reason Kawhi wasn't on Luca, and right. it, in no small part because Maxi Klebo was doing Yeoman's work. Like the dude just kept coming and I, I was ready to like throw him out of the game in at parts of this because he's not at least the last two threes he shot went in and out. He shot some threes in this game that look like me shooting drunk where it hit yeah. it's like careens off the side of the rim. And, and so I, I was just really pleased for him. I, I, they did not use him as much on Kawhi tonight either. Did you notice that? They definitely had Finney Smith on him a little bit more, I think. Um, but I also think because they, um, without Kristaps, uh, Maxi what, played 37 minutes, but he was the lone big on the floor. Mm-hmm. So they went to that lineup a lot. So it's harder for him to guard Kawhi because he has to guard Zubak if they're playing one big. So, uh, yeah, that that was, that kind of had to – they were kind of forced to do that with Kristaps with being out. Um, but, man, I mean, he had – he had nine rebounds, two assists, yeah. two blocks. Uh, I think both of his blocks were like in the second half too. Uh, so that was nice. It's been like, remember when Maxi, like in his first two years, he was like, I felt like he was blocking shots per at a like a per minute bait race oh, yeah. uh, basis that was insane. And he's kind of dropped off on that because the Mavericks have kind of asked him to do more than just hey show fly in from the weak side and block a shot. Yep. So um, and when he's guarding Kawhi, he's not he's not a helper. He's not a help defender at the rim when you're guarding Kawhi. So uh, that kind of takes away from some of what he's really good at. Uh, so the fact that he was the lone big on the floor a lot, I think he was able to rotate 
to the basket a couple of times and get those blocks. And so that was good. And like you said, he hustled. Hey, he made three or four through. He can't hit a three, but he made three of his four free throws, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I just I don't know if it's like. The curious question is if KP is ready for game five and you look at what Rick did by playing Trey for KP in the starting lineup today, do you think game five, if KP is ready, do they go right back to the KP Maxi front line or do they keep Trey in the starting lineup considering how bad Maxi shot and how great Trey has looked? I bet they stick with the first plan because Trey's off the bench is pretty important. And that's really kind of the perfect segue to Rick Carlisle's small guard success stories. God, uh, man. Because Trey Burke and Seth Curry shot a combined uh, 16 of 25, if my math is correct. No, 16 of 23. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And they didn't do a lot. I mean, what Burke had, he was four or five from three. That was huge. But Curry, yeah, like I said earlier, Curry was only 0 for one from three. So Seth Curry put a move on his on Paul George, and when he then called him bitch ass, called him bitch ass afterward, <laughs> which had me and and you know, I am not an NBA gossip person. I know some things, having read some things, but there is a reason those two don't like each other. You can seek it out. It is important and it <laughs> is fascinating. Uh, past that, I'm just going to leave it there for anyone interested. And, you know, Seth Curry is is probably relishing taking it to Paul George, is, is all I'm going to say. And <laughs> Seth Curry, you know, it's funny. I, I One of my very good friends is Matt Moore, HP Basketball. He just has a thing against Seth Curry he has for years he I, he doesn't really value shooting which is part of his issue but he he thinks that that Seth is kind of overrated and he popped in to slack before, after game 3 and said you know i i i just like Seth is playing out of his mind like i i'm you know i, I don't know how to feel about him but you know essentially he is outstanding and yes Seth is Seth has been amazing Seth has not done any of the things that make me mad the entire series. Like I, I should knock on wood for saying that, but like, boy, has he been good. He's shooting yeah. at one point in the game. They said he was shooting 25 for 36 in the series. Like, I don't, I, I he's got to be shooting North of, of 60%. Even, yeah. even. I'm looking at, I'm looking at his box scores. He was 45% game one, then 66, 82, 66% from the floor. So uh, it's close. Uh, and how like, man, he was, wasn't he one like wouldn't you agree he was one of the biggest question marks coming into the playoffs with the butt like he was missing games he didn't necessarily look himself like yeah there were a lot of he was one of my biggest question marks because they need him to be good to to have a chance and the bubble regular season games were not inspiring uh, at all so maybe that maybe that was part of the plan maybe the rest helped maybe they needed maybe they realized he's he is more with the way his his history has been when he plays large minutes, maybe they knew like if we play him big minutes in these regular season games, he is going to be fried for the playoffs. So maybe that was the maybe that was the thing for him in the in the in the seeding games. I don't know, but he's awesome. He's I don't know what there'd be without him. And and Trey Burke is even a yeah. different thing because I don't even know how to talk about him. Honestly, 
I didn't well, know he was shooting that well until they were like, yeah, he's nine for 10 from the floor. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. The Burke thing is like, call me a homer, but it's like, it's like the most unsurprising, surprising thing ever. Like, just look at the history of what the Mavericks have gotten since Rick Carlisle has been in Dallas from players that have his skill set. Mm-hmm. Take away like, okay, he's not a great defender. He is not a guy that can set up your offense in terms of creating, uh, you know, assists and passing. He is small, so he isn't always effective at the basket or on defense. Like, if you can dribble and if you can shoot and you can do those things comparatively at the NBA at at least an average or above average level, which I know Burke has been a little iffy, but if you just kind of looked at his raw skill set, you would say his two best qualities are his his shooting and, and dribble, you know, shot creation off the dribble. Like Rick's going to find a spot for you and he's going to find a spot for you to play really well. Uh, and it's, we just have evidence of this for how many years are we going on now? Like the last time we talked, remember Kirk, we were talking about, man, what were we doing the last time the Mavericks won a playoff game? And it was Ray Felton. It was like Ray Felton had, did almost nothing. He was almost on his way out before he got to Dallas, had a really good season for them, like a productive season. And then after that, you didn't hear of him. Like how many times does that happen with, Rick Carlisle and Dallas and these guys that they just find because they just squeeze all the juice out of them uh, and put them in positions to succeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. I don't really know. You know, I, I do. The bench is so short at this point. Yeah. That's going to catch up with them. You know, if so that the series is tied two two. I, the Mavs need to, you know, Porzingis hopefully will, will be able to play this knee soreness issue, which again, I don't want to talk about. No, that's not true. I want to talk about it. Uh Oh, he's hurt or he has an injury. How about that? And they don't want to tell us what that is. Um, that's a little concerning, but insofar as it relates to what we're talking about here with minutes, this is going to catch up to them at some point, despite being a young team. Like you're just going to have an off night is I guess what I mean. I think all these guys are good to play 35 minutes. That's actually not what I mean at all. Uh, as far as I'm not worried about the minutes totals whatsoever. You're but, talking about like the accumulative effect or right, just cumulative effect where it's like, because they're playing every other day at some point, somebody is going to have an off night and you know, you could, you know, the, 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 the pessimist would say, well, you know, some of these guys are already having off nights, LOL. And you'd be correct, but it, it's some, it, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, the Mavericks are kind of getting lucky in the right ways. And if they keep playing, you know, if they play, if this goes to seven games, that kind of concerns me just because, you know, even if you throw Porzingis back in, you're just getting a lot of minutes from guys that aren't really used to doing it. We had a long talk in our Slack about how, you know, Maxi Cleva is really best at like 25 minutes and he's playing 37. So that's just, it's, it's a little tough. It's, it's hard for these guys to figure out, yeah. I guess, long-term. So that's yeah. just something I'm thinking about. Yeah. And it makes sense. Cause you think about this, the way this team is built, it is, it was built around Luca KP, B stars, and then everyone else filling the gaps. Well, you take yeah. away one of those stars, that means all those guys that are filling in the gaps have to go up another notch that maybe they're uncomfortable with. And it's like, yeah, like, so Trey Burke is 10 of 14 and Seth is 6 of 9. That's great. But, like, what if Trey Burke was 10 of 18 tonight? Yep. Still good, but they lose. 
Yep. Uh, so that's the margin that they're they're playing with. So like, I get what you're saying. Like they need KP back because they need to be able to buffer out when one of these role guys will eventually return to earth, which is not a knock on them. It's just, that's just how basketball, that's how basketball goes. Um, but I think something really encouraging was they got 19 minutes at a Michael K. Gilchrist and they were plus eight in those 19 minutes. Um, I think this was by far the most comfortable he looked in the game. I think they tried him out a couple times early in the series and I don't think defensively he didn't, he was, he was trying, but you could tell, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of basketball in the last four months. So if he is able to give them 15 or so minutes and the Mavericks can at, call it a wash for those like 15 minutes, or if he can be like a plus one or a plus two, that's huge. Cause uh, that gives Maxi a break. Cause you put him on choir, you put him on George and you put, you know, Dorian Vitty Smith on the other, you know, that's, that's massive in terms of helping the other guys uh, not have to be, you know, running into a brick wall that is Kawhi for, 40 minutes a night uh, so uh, that that was nice i mean he was over three you know three rebounds you know this box score line was basically nothing but he got he made three or four free throws and i think he did just enough against Kawhi. i'm not looking at the matchup numbers so maybe Kawhi shot torched him like i don't know but he looked comfortable and he looked like he he looked like he deserved to be on the floor more than a lot of other guys that the mavericks have on the bench so uh, I do. You know, like, we do at least need to mention that the fact that Delon Wright didn't play at all is that's. I hate to be a yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, it's something. It, please go because I, I don't have anything to say. Really, I'm shocked. I don't, I don't want to be negative because this is like the the most. This should be the most positive podcast. But that's like, oh man, I could write a column about this. We could do a whole another podcast about this. But Trey Burke, I mean, Delon Wright being uh, DNP CD. Isn't that like, that's, like, I hate this phrase, but isn't that's the tweet? That's the that's the one sentence summary of the Mavericks offseason uh, a summer ago. Uh, like he, the fact that he has not played well enough or he's played poorly enough that he can't even play in a playoff game. And you consider he was, by this season's salary, the biggest acquisition in terms of bringing in a new player that wasn't on the team when the offseason started right is that's tough and it's disappointing because i i had a lot of high hopes for him i was very in on him being on the team and even like my okay even if he doesn't meet expectations like there was a baseline i thought delon wright brought because he was a good backup on those raptors teams that i was like well at the very least if he doesn't work out as a starter he can do that what he did with the raptors and do that here and he's not even doing that, yep. and uh, that's that's tough. But I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's just it needs to be. It needs to be noted, and we can we can just kind of move on if yep. you want. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's probably for the best because nobody wants to harp on the grumpy at this point. No, 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 no. Uh, it's crazy. This is a crazy game. It is because it's two two, and that means we play games. Uh, the Mavs play the game Tuesday night and likely Thursday at some point. Hopefully nighttime because daytime games are bad. I don't mm-hmm. like. I mean, I like watching them, like covering them would rock with our worlds. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's. that's I, I, I'm thrilled. Like the kind of stuff that that we watch tonight is. You know, somebody said, I I said something along the lines of, of, you know, we need to, you know, relish this because it's going to be rare, you know, this sort of feeling. And somebody responded to me with the like of, you know, well, not with Luca. 
And both sentiments are true. Like Luca makes watching basketball special, but these sorts of moments are exceedingly rare. Like the Mavs could lose the next two games. I'd probably be frustrated, but I would feel really good. You know, yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Someone be- I saw I saw like a really good tweet that was like, This is this is the game that like when they make the Luca documentary in, in 25 years, like this is this is like one of the chapters or like this is an episode. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. it, it was just, it's just special. And especially like, you know, me and you, we watched Dirk in his prime. And when we watched Dirk in his prime, the collective sharing of watching basketball as a community was very different. Very, yes. Very different. Uh, I, I mean, it was checking box scores in newspapers the next day, even though, yes, there was ESPN.com back then, but it was just, it was different. Um, there were blogs, but it was different. There was no Twitter. Uh, there was Facebook. We would yell awesome Facebook statuses. It would be Josh Bow is crapping his pants about Dirk. It would be a <laughs> Facebook status back then. But So this is like cool to as bad as social media is and can be like to experience this in real time with a bunch of other people uh all sort of feeling the same thing uh it, it makes it special yeah i'm i'm just delighted i yep. and, you know we're probably gonna have a lot of coverage the next few days the first time they won i i kind of went nuts and was like beating people for things but <laughs> uh i i probably like am mentally not gonna be able to hope for that but that aside i you know if you're listening to this uh monday morning on you know your drive to work or during you know while you're having your coffee please check the site there's a lot that's going on if you're listening to this in the middle of the night i question you as as humans we need to talk uh reach out to me i'm happy to help you i'm glad (laughs) i'm glad (laughs) that you're listening to our podcast but that's frightening uh you know this has been josh and kirk talking a little bit too much about this epic (laughs) victory so uh thanks for joining us and we'll see you out there a little later in the week 